Chapter 15, verses 17 through 27. Of Catina Aria, Commentary on the Four Gospels Collected Out of the Works of the Fathers, Volume 2, Gospel of St. John, by St. Thomas Aquinas. The LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Verses 17 through 21. These things I command you, that ye love one another. If the world hate you, ye know that it hated me before it hated you. If ye were of the world, the world would love his own. But because ye are not of the world, but I have chosen you out of the world, therefore the world hateth you. Remember the word that I said unto you, The servant is not greater than his Lord. If they have persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they have kept my saying, they will also keep yours. But all these things will they do unto you for my name's sake, because they know not him that sent me. Augustine, our Lord had said, I have ordained that ye should walk and bring forth fruit. Love is this fruit, wherefore he proceeds, These things I command you, that ye love one another. Hence the apostle saith, The fruit of the Spirit is love and enumerates all the other graces as springing from the source. Well then doth our Lord commend love, as if it were the only thing commanded, seeing that without it nothing can profit, with it nothing be wanting, whereby a man is made good. Chrysostom, or thus, I have said that I lay down my life for you, and that I first chose you. I have said this not by way of reproach, but to induce you to love one another. Then, as they were about to suffer persecution and reproach, he bids them not to grieve, but rejoice on that account. If the world hate you, ye know that it hated me before it hated you. As if to say, I know it is a hard trial, but ye will endure it for my sake. Augustine for why should the members exalt themselves above the head? Thou refusest to be in the body, if thou art not willing, with the head to endure the hatred of the world. For love's sake, let us be patient. The world must hate us, whom it sees, hate whatever it loves. If ye were of the world, the world would love his own. Chrysostom, as if Christ's suffering were not consolation enough, he consoles them still further by telling them the hatred of the world would be an evidence of their goodness, so that they ought rather to grieve if they were loved by the world, as that would be evidence of their wickedness. Augustine, he saith this to the whole church, which is often called the world, as God was in Christ, reconciling the world unto himself. The whole world, then, is the church, and the whole world hateth the church. The world hateth the world, the world in enmity, the world reconciled, the defiled world, the changed world. Here it may be asked, if the wicked can be said to persecute the wicked, i.e. if impious kings and judges who persecute the righteous punish murderers and adulterers also. How are we to understand our Lord's words, if ye were of the world, the world would love his own. In this way, the world is in them who punish these offenses, and the world is in them who love them. 
the world then hates its own so far as it punishes the wicked loves its own so far as it favors them again if it be asked how the world loves itself when it hates the means of its redemption the answer is that it loves itself with a false not a true love loves what hurts it hates nature loves vice wherefore we are forbidden to love what it loves in itself commanded to love what it hates in itself the vice in it we are forbidden the nature in it we are commanded to love and to separate us from this lost world we are chosen out of it not by merit of our own for we had no merits to begin with not by nature which was radically corrupt but by grace but because ye are not of the world but i have chosen you out of the world therefore the world hateth you gregory for the dispraise of the perverse is our praise there is nothing wrong in not pleasing those who do not please god for no one can by one and the same act please god and the enemies of god he proves himself no friend to god who pleases his enemy and he whose soul is in subjection to the truth will have to contend with the enemies of that truth augustine our lord in exhorting his servants to bear patiently the hatred of the world proposes to them an example than which there can be no better and higher one viz himself remember the word that i said unto you the servant is not greater than his lord if they have persecuted me they will also persecute you if they have kept my saying they will also keep yours gloss they observed it in order to calumniate it as we read in the psalms the ungodly seeth the righteous theophylact or thus if he says they have persecuted your lord much more will they persecute you if they had persecuted him but kept his commandments they would keep yours also chrysostom as if he said ye must not be disturbed at having to share my sufferings for ye are not better than i augustine the servant is not greater than his lord here the servant is the one who has the purified fear which abideth for ever chrysostom then follows another consolation viz that the father is despised and injured with them but all these things will they do unto you for my name's sake because they know not him that sent me augustine all these things viz what he had mentioned that the world would hate them persecute them despise their word for my name's sake i e in you they will hate me in you persecute me your word they will not keep because it is mine they who do these things for his name's sake are as miserable as they who suffer them are blessed except when they do them to the wicked as well for then both they who do and they who suffer are miserable but how do they do all these things for his name's sake when they do nothing for christ's name's sake i e for justice's sake we shall do away with this difficulty if we take the words as applying to the righteous as if they were all these things will ye suffer from them for my name's sake if for my name's sake mean this i e 
my name which they hate in you, justice which they hate in you, of the good when they persecute the wicked, it may be said in the same way that they do so both for righteousness' sake, which they love, which love is their motive in persecuting, and for unrighteousness' sake, the unrighteousness of the wicked, which they hate, because they know not him that sent me, i.e., know not according to the knowledge of which it is said, to know thee is perfect righteousness. Verses 22 through 25. If I had not come and spoken unto them, they had not sin, but now they have no cloak for their sin. He that hateth me hateth my father also. If I had not done among them the works which none other man did, they had not sin, but now they have both seen and hated both me and my father. But this cometh to pass, that the word might be fulfilled that is written in their law. They hated me without a cause. Chrysostom. Then by way of another consolation, he declares the injustice of these persecutions, both towards him and them. If I had not come and spoken unto them, they had not had sin. Augustine. Christ spoke to the Jews only, not to any other nation. In them, then, was that world which hated Christ and his disciples, and not only in them, but in us also. Were the Jews then without sin before Christ came in the flesh, because Christ had not spoken to them? By sin here he means not every sin, but a certain great sin, which includes all, and which alone hinders the remission of other sins, viz. unbelief. They did not believe in Christ, who came that they might believe on him. This sin, then, they would not have had, had not Christ come. For Christ's advent, as it was the salvation of the believing, so was the perdition of the unbelieving. But now they have no cloak for their sin. If those to whom Christ had not come or spoken had not an excuse for their sin, why is it said here that these had no excuse? Because Christ had come and spoken to them. If the first had excuse, did it do away with their punishment altogether, or only mitigate it? I answer that this excuse covered not all their sin, but only this one, viz. that they did not believe in Christ. But they are not of this number to whom Christ came by his disciples. They are not to be left off with the lighter punishment who altogether refused to receive Christ's love, and, as far as concerned them, wished its destruction. This excuse they may have who died before they heard of Christ's gospel, but this will not shield them from damnation. For whoever are not saved in the Savior, who came to seek what was lost, shall without doubt go to perdition. Though some will have lighter, others severe punishments. He perishes to God, who is punished with an exclusion from that happiness which is given to the saints. But there is a great diversity of punishments, as there is of sins, though how this is settled is a matter known to the divine wisdom indeed, but too deep for human conjecture to examine or pronounce upon. Chrysostom. As the Jews persecuted him out of professed regard for the Father, he takes away this excuse, 
He that hateth me hateth my father also. Alcion, for as he who loves the Son loves the Father also, the love of the Father being one with that of the Son, even as their nature is one, so he who hateth the Son hateth the Father also. Augustine, but he has just said, because they know not him that sent me, how could they hate one whom they did not know? For if they hated God, believing him to be something else, and not God, this was not hatred of God. In the case of men, it often happens that we hate or love persons whom we have never seen, simply in consequence of what we have heard of them. But if a man's character is known to us, he cannot properly be said to be unknown. And a man's character is not shown by his face, but by his habits and way of life else we should not be able to know ourselves, for we cannot see our own face. But history and fame sometimes lie, and our faith is imposed upon. We cannot penetrate into men's hearts. We only know that such things are right and others wrong. And if we escape error here, to be mistaken in men is a venial matter. A good man may hate a good man ignorantly, or rather love him ignorantly, for he loves the good man, though he hates the man whom he supposes him to be. A bad man may love a good man, supposing him to be a bad man like himself, therefore not, properly speaking, loving him, but the person whom he takes him to be. And in the same way with respect to God, if the Jews were asked whether they love God, they would reply that they did love him, not intending to lie, but only being mistaken in so saying. For how could they who hated the truth love the father of the truth? They did not wish their actions to be judged, and this the truth did. They hated the truth then, because they hated the punishment which he would inflict upon such as they. But at the same time, they did not know that he was the truth who came to condemn them. They did not know that... The truth was born of God the Father, and therefore they did not know God the Father himself. Thus they both hated, and also knew not the Father. Chrysostom. Thus then they have no excuse, he says. I gave them doctrine, I added miracles, which according to Moses' law should convince all, if the doctrine itself is good also. If I had not done among them the works that none other man did, they had not had sin. Augustine, the sin of not believing him, notwithstanding his doctrine and his miracles. But why does he add, which none other man did? Christ did no work greater than the raising of the dead, which we know the ancient prophets did before him. Is it that he did some things which no one else did, but others also did what neither he nor anyone else did. True. Yet none of the ancient prophets that we read of healed so many bodily defects, sicknesses, infirmities. For to say nothing of single cases, Mark says that whithersoever he entered into villages or cities or country, they laid the sick in the streets and besought him that they might touch, if it were, but the border of his garment and as many as touched him were made whole. Such works as these no one else had done in them. 
in them meaning not amongst them or before them but within them but even where particular works like some of these had been done before whoever worked such did really do them for he did them through them whereas he performs these miracles by his own power for even if the father or the holy spirit did them yet it was none other than he for the three persons are of one substance for these benefits then they ought to have returned him not hatred but love and this he reproaches them with but now they have both seen and hated both me and my father chrysostom and that the disciples may not say why then hast thou brought us into such difficulties couldst not thou foresee the resistance and hatred we should meet with he quotes the prophecy but this came to pass that the word might be fulfilled that is written in their law they hated me without a cause augustine under the name of the law the whole of the old testament is included and therefore our lord says here that it is written in their law the passage being in the psalms augustine their law he says not as made by them but as given to them a man hates without a cause who seeks no advantage from his hatred thus the ungodly hate god the righteous love him i e looking for no other good but him he is their all in all gregory it is one thing not to do good another to hate the teacher of goodness as there is a difference between sudden and deliberate sins our state generally is that we love what is good but from infirmity cannot perform it but to sin of set purpose is neither to do nor to love what is good as then it is sometimes a heavier offense to love than to do so is it more wicked to hate justice than not to do it there are some in the church who not only do not do what is good but even persecute it and hate in others what they neglect to do themselves the sin of these men is not that of infirmity or ignorance but deliberate willful sin verses twenty six and twenty seven but when the comforter is come whom i will send unto you from the father even the spirit of truth which proceedeth from the father he shall testify of me and ye also shall bear witness because ye have been with me from the beginning chrysostom the disciples might say if they have heard words from thee such as none other hath spoken if they have seen works of him such as none other hath done and yet have not been convinced but have hated thy father and thee with him why dost thou send us to preach how shall we be believed such thoughts as these he now answers but when the comforter is come whom i will send unto you from the father even the spirit of truth which proceedeth from the father he shall testify of me augustine as if he said seeing me they hated and killed me but the comforter shall give such testimony concerning me as shall make them believe though they see me not and because he shall testify ye shall testify also and ye also shall bear witness 
he will inspire your hearts, and ye shall proclaim with your voices, and ye will preach what ye know, because ye have been with me from the beginning, which now ye do not do, because ye have not yet the fullness of the Spirit, but the love of God shall then be shed abroad in your hearts by the Spirit which shall be given you, and shall make you confident witnesses to me. The Holy Spirit, by his testimony, made others testify, taking away fear from the friends of Christ, and converting the hatred of his enemies into love. Didymus. The Holy Spirit he calls the Comforter, a name taken from his office, which is not only to relieve the sorrows of the faithful, but to fill them with unspeakable joy. Everlasting gladness is in those hearts in which the Spirit dwells. The Spirit, the Comforter, is sent by the Son, not as angels or prophets or apostles are sent, but as the Spirit must be sent, which is of one nature with the divine wisdom and power that sends him. The Son, when sent by the Father, is not separated from him, but abides in the Father and the Father in him. In the same way, the Holy Spirit is not sent by the Son and proceedeth from the Father in the sense of change of place. For as the Father's nature, being incorporeal, is not local, so neither hath the Spirit of Truth, who is incorporeal also, and superior to all created things, a local nature. Chrysostom, he calls him not the Holy Spirit, but the Spirit of Truth, to show the perfect faith that was due to him. He knew that he proceedeth from the Father, for he knew all things. He knew where he himself came from. As he says of himself above, I know whence I came and whither I go. Didymus. He does not say from God or from the Almighty, but from the Father, because though the Father and God Almighty are the same, yet the Spirit of Truth properly proceeds from God as the Father and Begetter. The Father and the Son together send the Spirit of Truth. He comes by the will both of the Father and the Son. Theophylact. Elsewhere he says that the Father sends the Spirit. Now he says he does, whom I will send unto you, thus declaring the equality of the Father and the Son, that he might not be thought, however, to be opposed to the Father, and to be another and rival source, as it were, of the Spirit. He adds, from the Father, i.e., the Father agreeing and taking an equal part in sending him. When it is said that he proceedeth, do not understand his procession to be an external mission, such as is given to ministering spirits, but a certain particular and distinct procession, which is true of the Holy Spirit alone. To proceed is not the same as being sent, but is the essential nature of the Holy Ghost, as coming from the Father. Augustine. If it be asked here whether the Holy Ghost proceeds from the Son also, we may answer thus, The Son is the Son of the Father only, and the Father is the Father of the Son only, but the Holy Spirit is not the Spirit of one, but of both, since Christ himself saith, The Spirit of your Father, which speaketh in you. And the Apostle says, God hath sent the Spirit of his Son into your hearts. This indeed, I think, is the reason why he is called particularly the Spirit, 
for both of the Father and the Son separately, we may pronounce that each is a spirit. But what each is separately in a general sense, he who is not either one separately, but the union of both, is spiritually. But if the Holy Spirit is the Spirit of the Son, why should we not believe that he proceeds from the Son? Indeed, if he did not proceed from the Son, Christ would not, after the resurrection, have breathed on his disciples and said, Receive ye the Holy Ghost. This, too, is what is meant by the virtue which went out of him and healed all. If the Holy Ghost then proceeds both from the Father and the Son, why does Christ say, Who proceedeth from the Father? He says it in accordance with his general way of referring to all that he has to him from whom he is. As where he says, My doctrine is not mine, but his that sent me. If the doctrine was his, which he says was not his own, but the Father's, much more does the Holy Spirit proceed from him, consistently with his proceeding from the Father, from whom the Son hath his Godhead. From him he hath it, that the Holy Ghost proceedeth from him. And this explains why the Holy Ghost is not said to be born, but to proceed. For if he were born, he would be the Son of both Father and Son, an absurd supposition. For if two together have a son, these two must be father and mother. But to imagine any such relation as this between God the Father and God the Son is monstrous. Even the human offspring does not proceed from father or mother at the same time. When it proceeds from the father, it does not proceed from the mother. Whereas the Holy Spirit does not proceed from the Father into the Son, and from the Son into the creature to be sanctified, but proceeds from Father and Son at once. And if the Father is life and the Son is life, so the Holy Ghost is life also. Just then as the Father, when he had life in himself, gave also to the Son to have life in himself, so he gave to the Son also that life should proceed from him, even as it proceeded from himself. End of chapter 15